You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Rahul. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Ace Comicals episode number 50 and today I am joined by Just Ray. Hey Greg. Yes, Leon's unable to join us today and um, I'm barely making it actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think none of us are, <laughs> like we're all barely making it today. I don't, know, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice at all on this recording but I've been suffering with a cold for the past week and I've had some time off work because of that. Um, but I'm feeling I'm feeling better today, and I thought, you know what, let's go ahead and record an episode of Ace Comicals because I'm I'm kind of on the other side of it now. I'm out of it, and I'm going back to work tomorrow. So, yay! And what better way to lift your spirits than you know reading yeah. and discussing some comic books? Talk about comics, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've been specifically your spirits, not yeah. necessarily my spirits. Exactly. I've been <laughs> I've been I've been trapped between ill person dreams and comics all week. Anyway. That's that's what it's been like in some kind of like state of not being able to leave the house, only being able to like read comics and stuff. Not that that's a bad thing. (laughs) And then (laughs) and then like I've had some weird dreams as well, because like, I don't know when I get sick, I get weird dreams. I don't know if that's just me. If you've ever experienced that. I I think fever dreams are a common thing. Like what kind of messed up fever dreams you've been having? Oh, gosh. Um I can't I can't even like describe some of it cuz it's like it's weird stuff involving advent calendars and cats and, <laughs> I don't know just just weird stuff I remember like I don't remember my dreams very often but there was one fever dream that has never left my memory when I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old yeah and I just remember like being like super feverish really ill being like looked after by my mum and dad like in the downstairs living room and just freaking out because I thought there was a giant PC, like a computer upstairs, and we needed to bring all the bits down, and I couldn't carry the mouse because it was, like, as big as a sofa. And I was thinking, how are we going to get it downstairs? Like, the monitor's huge, and it's stuck in the attic. And, like, this mouse, how am I going to get the mouse down without it crushing me? And I just remember, like, being really, really upset about it. Mm. And I don't know why that's always stuck in my head, just this giant computer that needed to go from upstairs to downstairs. Thing, thing that my my brain used to do when I was a kid was warp perspective. So, mm. like, when I had fever dreams as a kid, like one of the the fever dreams that stuck in my head was like the fact that this this used to happen like every time I was ill, but like it would make the room huge and my bed and me tiny. Yeah, yeah, I'd get that. <laughs> yeah. So like you feel like those um forced perspective uh like shots in movies where you yeah. like the kid is at the right at the back of this massive headboard and the, the like the the wall opposite your feet is like a mile away yeah 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 <laughs> and and but like the room's getting bigger and the, the the carpet's like this sea of nails and i'm just like in the bed just like Ugh. and then like the other one that i remember like vividly was being chased by a fire tornado which is something that i will kind of bring up a bit later when i talk about one of the comics on my list yeah, um, I've I've done not done an awful lot apart from read comics and play Mario. Managed to beat the story on Mario Odyssey, and uh, I'm now doing like some of the post game stuff, collecting some extra moons, going around finishing off challenges and things like that. It's really good, and it's keeping me going. And 
hopefully it's going to last until Smash comes out, which will be next Friday or the Friday after this episode releases. God, it's soon. Yeah. So soon. I know. I've and got... like, I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm not entirely sure why. I think I'm just like on the hype train from you guys because I've never played, I never owned, um, never owned Smash before. I never really owned a Nintendo console up until the Wii. And, you know, there, was, there wasn't there was a Smash game on the Wii, was there? Yes, there and was. if there was, I mean, if there was, I certainly didn't have anyone to play with at that time. Like, since, not, yeah. yeah. Since the 64, there's been a Smash game on every Nintendo console. Okay. So we had, uh, I mean, bar handhelds. Because mm. we had Smash on the 3DS, and I think that's the first handheld Smash they did. But there's been Smash on the 64, which was the original one. Then there was Smash on the Cube, which was Melee, which is the one that everyone loves. And that's the, the one, one that's highest rated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that's got the best mechanics as far as people are concerned because it's the one the fighting game community adore. Uh, then there's Smash Bros. Brawl, which was on the Wii. And then there was Smash on the Wii U. And now we're getting Smash Ultimate on the uh, the Switch. The Smash on the Wii U was the one that had like a kind of partner in the one on the uh, the 3DS. Yeah, yeah. And um, that one, like, was the first one that used the Amiibos as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. I like the idea that you can, like, set up your Amiibos with, like, rudimentary AI and then make them fight each other. Yeah. So, like, your specific statue would have its own, like, personality, quote-unquote, right? Mm. Yeah, you can train them up. And I trained mine off each other. So, like, (laughs) they get to, like, level 50 is, like, max level for an Amiibo. Right, and that that was the max level mine we're at, like level fifty. And like I used to put them in um, ninety nine stock matches against each other. <laughs> I just watch. Yeah, <laughs> just, just let them fight it out. It's, it's awful. <laughs> they used to like I trained one, and then like that one trained the rest. <laughs> so they were like, <laughs> so, who was <laughs> who was the top one? Who who was your first first um, amiibo? I think it might have been Link. Link I think, could, I think Link would Link, make a good general. Or yeah, like a good, and, um, and then Link trained the rest, and now they're all completely unstoppable beasts. <laughs> it's like Gladiator. Yeah. Because I just like the idea of AI training AI. So, like, they learned off each other. And yeah, it's machine learning. Then. <laughs> I've got, like, second and third generation AIs imprinted on these these Amiibos, <laughs> which is weird. But it's it's just kind of some kind of, like, weird experiment. <laughs> I was doing at the time when Amiibos came out, just to see. <laughs> just imagine you in like a, a smoking jacket and like a glass of whiskey, and like the lights off, but the fireplace is roaring in the corner, and you're just watching like on your massive screen all your little Amiibos play it out on on screen. Yeah, I, I mean always... that was basically it, wasn't it? That's what you were doing. Yeah, pretty much. I always, <laughs> I always had this one thing that I wanted to do with the amiibos as well, which maybe I'll get the chance to one day. But it was to invite people round, and you know how like you see in films sometimes they have these like underground fight clubs, mm-hmm. where <laughs> where you like two people fight and people place bets on the fight. Well, I wanted to do that with amiibos. Like I'd set up a card, <laughs> put smash it, <laughs> and have people place bets in candy. On Amiibos. If anyone could pull that off, it would be you, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> that That's what I wanted to do. Or like some kind of Amiibo drinking game or something, I don't know. Well, are they, is that going to be the same thing on the Switch, do you think? Or do you know? If... I, don't, I don't know. 
Mm. I don't know. I don't know how the amiibos are going to work on the Switch. All I know is there is going to be amiibos because they've made amiibos of the new characters. So, all I know is that everybody I know that is into games is has bought a Switch, or you know, who didn't already have a Switch has bought a Switch to play Smash. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be nice to have like an FGC community thing because like the last time we tried that was with Dragon Ball Fighters, and like we played for a little while, but because it was. I don't know, like getting on PC and then getting your stick out to play on PC and like organizing people to play on PC can be a bit tough. Whereas I think Switch, like even if even if we're not playing directly, I think there's like ghosts you can play against and Mm. like the AI that you can build up on your amiibo, like you can have your own personal thing, right? Which you can battle against other Mm. like your your mates with. And if there's like you said, if there's um matches and like videos that or like gameplay videos that get recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be easier for us to watch each other's matches and stuff online on the Switch. We just pick it up, play for 10 minutes and put it back down. Exactly. So I'm hoping hoping something comes of this. Uh, you know, I do. The reason I'm I, into it. You know, I, I, I'm hype for the fact that all my buddies are going to be playing Smash and you're going to be playing Smash and Leon's going to be playing Smash and I'm going to be playing Smash and we can all play mm-hmm. Smash together. Like <laughs> I, was in, I was in the comic book store um yesterday when i went to pick my books up because obviously that was like the first time i'd left the house <laughs> in like and, and, gone, <laughs> and gone further than the shop for milk so like um we was like talking to um matt in the comic book store and i picked my books up and he's like oh yeah um you know he's gonna get smash as well and like i was like oh i need to give you my friend code so i'm gonna have like i'm hoping it's gonna be like the xbox live days fingers mm. crossed you know because I, well, I, I could do with some of that. If Ninty sorts out their, you know, the online voice chat component of the, all of this, because that was the... Yeah. I, know, I was never online for the Xbox Live days because I was still a PC gamer around that time or a PlayStation gamer. Um, but I gather, like, the thing that Xbox made really easy was just jumping into a, a chat room where, mm. you you know, you could have your mic on and talk yeah. to people. Switch or, ma- or Nintendo are making that really difficult. Like, you have to connect your phone to the thing and then connect your headphone to your phone and then have your phone app open at the same time that your game is open or something. It's like, it's sounds really convoluted. And I think they've only done it so far with Splatoon. I think that, that's how they yeah. implemented it. And it's just, it's just a rigmarole. So yeah. it does. It just sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Really, I think we're going to have horrible. to set up. Yeah. Horrible. I think we're going to have to set up like a discord, um, and have Discord. Smash exclusive channel. That's just on yeah. all the time that we can jump into when we're playing. Have discord running on your phone and then chuck your, just just play through Discord. Do it that way. Mm. Yeah, oh. that works. So yeah, smash hype, and um, we'll probably talk about that on the next episode we do. Which um, there's there's going to be a few things to talk about on that actually, because a there'll be some more Christmas specials, b there will be Smash Bros, and c Spider Verse will be out by then, won't it? It will indeed. It'll be out on Friday the 14th of December, I believe, for both the UK and the US. Yeah. And we should hopefully be recording shortly after that. So specifically because we want to record after Mm. we've watched Spider-Man. Best thing about watching Venom was that. (laughs) Was that thing at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. Like yeah. I, that, I, I think it was worth sitting through that movie. I mean, I, it, I think I talked about it on the cast before. I, it had its moments. I didn't hate it. I was glad that I went with um, Marvin, a mutual friend of all of us, who is a really fun person to go to the cinema with sometimes because he has no qualms about shouting at the screen. Um, and yeah, we had, had a good time at the end. But it, uh, sitting through all of that was worth it just for the yeah. Spider Verse trailer. 
Oh, so 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 he's allowed to break the rules then. I wasn't happy about it. I didn't give him permission, but he just went ahead and did it. <laughs> and I, I think we were all both in a place where we cared less about this yeah. film. And I don't know. I, yeah, I'm conflicted about this because even if it's a film that I don't care about, I feel like I should be quiet for it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But there were other people in the cinema not giving a shit. So, so we back, sort of just jumped on board. Back to your fascist cinema state. Like, in yeah, the way... Uh, in the way fascist states said. work, the, the... there are always favourites, aren't there? There are always people that are allowed to, you know, there's always like one above the others kind of thing. It's always yeah, it's that kind of fascism where as long as I'm in power, I don't mind because I, yeah. I can break the rules for whoever I want. And, yeah, and you, you, know... can, you can bring other people into your palace and they can live within the palace walls and, you know, do the stuff that the other people aren't allowed to do. Exactly. <laughs> like eat popcorn loudly and shout <laughs> and scream. <laughs> I'd, I think I would still ban like individually wrapped sweets, though, because that's just irritating. You like, think I don't still want that. Those, yeah, yeah, because that's just taking it too far. Or like, you'd have you'd have like um, I don't know, you'd have a shop outside outside where they would yeah. part of the service is to unwrap each sweet individually for you and then place them in like a little gold, um, you know, foil saucer for mm. use for your consumption later. Or have somebody <laughs> drop them in your mouth from high above. Generalissimo Rahul overseeing his. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know, like at, at sports events where they have t-shirt cannons. Yeah. So I want what I want is at the bottom of the screen, like all shrouded yeah. in black, so they're not, you know, obscuring the screen or anything, and they're not distracting. But like, if you open your mouth, they'll notice and they'll just like shoot a Malteser into your mouth, like just f- from the distance. Like yeah. they'll be perfectly trained to, you know, to to judge the weight yeah. and uh, flying capacity and you know aerodynamics of all these different suites. So. You could press a little button on your thing and then fire a Maltese on your mouth. Or you also, could press another button and it'd be a Werther's original. You'd have to be careful because, like, the amount, like, the choking hazard there as well. Like, you've got to, you've got to judge it correctly. That's not my problem. No. I mean, if people want to, if people want to choke on the projectiles that they allow into their own mouths, then that's their problem, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, wow. I'm just, I don't know. These are just, it's all blueprint right now. Yeah. This know. is, we'll this is a, gen- generalissimo Rahul is a thing now. Like <laughs> I'm you, fine with that. You are you are a dictator. You are a a, a military. You have established a military dictatorship in Cinematopia. I was going to say, if you're going to call me a dictator, finish the word. All right, yeah. don't stop halfway. Don't call me a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining you with your aviator sunglasses and your red beret. Right. Little, little, little <laughs> I've mili- never in my life won either of those things. Your cool. military <laughs> cinema uniform, overseeing your soldiers as they confiscate Werther's originals from old people as they're walking into the film, you know. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> At Super Soaker Point, you know, like. Because let's face it, you know, we don't need real guns. Super Soakers will do. No one likes getting wet. No, I think I'd train them to <clears> use, like, Bart Simpson slingshots. Yeah. You know, silent. <laughs> silent. Nothing mechanical. Just, yeah. You know, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what have you been up to in the last two weeks? I don't know. I've been, if I've anything. been quite busy with... If anything, I've been up to a lot. I've been busy with work, which yeah. is... Has been a constant thing since I started this new job. Um, as for, like, non-comic-y stuff, what have I done? Um, been to a few gigs, uh, many of which I went with Leon, which... I think he'll want to talk about when he's back. Um, and what have I seen? I saw Widows in the cinema. Um, I've been playing a game called Crosscode, which is really good, which is like, 
it's a top-down RPG, but with um, action RPG elements. So it's not all the battles are like real time. So it's like kind of hack and slashy, but it harkens back to the old like Chrono Trigger days. And there's loads of references to old you know 16-bit games and stuff. And so that's really cool. I'm quite surprised that I've got I've passed the 10-hour threshold for that game because normally my cutoff is between five to ten hours. Like even if I'm really enjoying something, if something else distracts me quickly, then I'll jump on that. But I've kind of been persisting with this one, so I want to try and actually finish it. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. I'm uh, I've got my pre-order, I've got my preload sorted for Smash. I've got my GameCube controller that I had from a while back, and I've got a, a GameCube to Switch adapter on its way, which should be here tomorrow, hopefully. So you can yeah, preload that, think... Smash. What? Yeah, I just did the the preload from the eStore. Um, Fine. If I put my download code in, will it let me preload it? Yeah, absolutely. Do that. <laughs> Do it oh, now. Man. Um, yeah. And also, I think you'll get like double the gold coin points or something if you do it now. Oh, and okay. yeah, it should be ready to play on midnight. At midnight on Friday. Nice. Midnight on Friday or Thursday midnight? Maybe midnight, Thursday night to Friday. Because it comes, out, for, it comes yeah. out on the Friday, doesn't it? Yeah, I already have my work schedule this week i know <laughs> i know what time i'm finishing on friday and it's like the best shift ever it's my favorite shift 8 a.m 8 oh, nice. till 4 p.m so, <laughs> we're all just going to be we're going to be sprinting home like in the the trailer for smash all just like hands yeah. out grabbing each other yeah <laughs> should be good as i like make it into the shop and grab beer and you know. <laughs> Just like Sonic the Hedgehog, just like whizzing around. It's like a, yeah. a a Greg-shaped streak just like going around, like leaving an after but, image around. But like the... Smash character trailer. So when we make it through the front door, Greg enters the battle, Rahul into the fray, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that trailer. I like the bit where like, I, again, I don't know enough of the characters because I was never a, a Nintendo fanboy growing up. But like a dude tries to jump in like an F-Zero car and then gets like blasted with light as he's diving into it. I want to be that guy, like diving into my car and he's like, boom. <laughs> yes. So, you know, this isn't the Smash cast. We are here to talk <laughs> about comics. <laughs> Move on then. Yes, yes. So, um, this week, like I said, in between um, being ill and having weird dreams and like being in the house, I've been reading a lot of comics. I've done a lot of catching up. I've got through my stack and I've been like um managed to get all my comics kind of organized a bit as in bagged and boarded in in a box instead of just in various piles around my loft um and i've read some really cool stuff this week um one of the things that i wanted to mention briefly was the fact that i picked up last week an omnibus edition of the silver surfer run by the all reds and dan slot um now, like anybody that listens to this cast knows that I love the work of Mike and Laura Alred, and their art style is really cool. It's like fun, poppy. It's punchy. It's it's like really like graphic pop art style. That's just really cool with really bright colors, and this is just like awesome cosmic fun that you can just enjoy and just let it wash over you. And I've talked about this actual Silver Surfer creative team before, anyway, and and how how great these comics were and like again i just just love the innocence of this thing like 
its innocence in places and how it just makes me feel like a kid again opening a comic for the first time and like you know all the silly offhand jokes that are in there and everything else and just just everything about it that's just bombastic and huge and expansive and grand it's just this great pure space fantasy and everything's exciting and different and it's just great it just makes me feel like a kid again opening a comic for the first time like when i read this it's like everything that i loved about like stuff like that when i was a kid about being able to open it and just like be like wow you know and and it it being quite wholesome as well it's just something that i just love about it and it's it's great to escape into and it's a really nice omnibus edition it's this really nice hardback with this great wraparound cover by mike and laura alred and it's just absolutely gorgeous and um i'll run through a full list of credits because uh, this is like we're talking like a few years worth of comics here this is an omnibus so if i pick up this big heavy book and open it i can give you a list of credits So, uh, Dan Slott and Michael Allred are your storytellers. Laura Allred is your colour artist. Uh, we have uh, Clayton Cowles and Joe Sabino doing letters at various points. Um, the cover art on this big edition is by Mike, Mike Allred and Laura Allred. Um, assistant editors Jake Thomas and Alana Smith. And uh, we have an editor Tom Brevort. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great, nice, nice omnibus edition to pick up. Um, I mean, it's not cheap these these kind of massive omnibus hardbacks never are but it's worth every penny you know i love stuff like this and yeah i just uh, yeah. just googled the the wraparound cover that you mentioned and it's really pretty <laughs> like it's it's oh, so yeah. dense and like this yeah i can see what you mean about like feeling like a kid because it's that whole i don't know imaginarium dreamscape thing where it's just so yeah. many ideas stuffed into one rectangle it's this is and it's crazy. it's got it. everything it's it's got action it's got cosmic sci-fi it's got love it's got all these things everything you you could ever want it's like this awesome ball of science fantasy and it's great mm. i love it yeah, I'm sold on it just from this wraparound cover yeah. that you mentioned. Like, I love all the different, I like recognizing yeah. all the characters that I've slowly come to learn about the Marvel universe in the last like ten years. And yeah, it's cool. It does. Very it, cool. it it has everything I love about Marvel at the moment. Like my favorite Marvel stuff right now is the cosmic stuff. Hmm. Like, I love the. I mean, like, I don't get me wrong. Like, there's others. I mean, I, I just love comics, don't I? But like. <laughs> Everything about like the Marvel, like the Marvel cosmic stuff, is just it's just awesome. Like the fact that they they give um, physical form to things like Eternity, and have Eternity mm. as a character that stands there and talks to you, kind of thing, and that kind of stuff I love. Like, yeah, it's 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 not for everyone, but for me, it's great because <laughs> it's out there, and you can just like just melt into it and not have to think about anything else and it's good for that well um, before you quickly before you move on just to say yeah. there's an amazingly high resolution version of this wraparound image mm. on previewsworld.com yeah so if anyone wants to look it up like i'm just clicking in and out of it while you've been talking it's really cool there's a, a black and white version of it on instagram somewhere as well Ooh, okay a nice. pre-colored a pre-colored inked version of it sweet that i saw earlier a few months ago on instagram and it is 
something else. I think it was on Mike Allred's Instagram. But it is something else. It's it's beautiful. So yeah, that was the Silver Surfer omnibus. Anywhere and everywhere. Hang on. And uh, one of the other things I read this week is um, I I read my first holiday special. Because <laughs> it's coming up to that time of year now. Uh, it's getting towards Christmas and... Uh, they're going to start printing these. I'm going to talk more about this on another episode when we get closer to Christmas, probably on the next episode we do. But um, I talked about the, uh, I read, sorry, the 80-page DC nuclear winter special. <laughs> <laughs> just the title alone tickles my funny bone. It's just, it's so, like, post-apocalyptic Christmas spirit. <laughs> it's like my four-word description <laughs> of what these 80 pages contain. Um, it's my first Christmas special of the year, and it, it did the trick of getting me into the Christmas spirit. Um, like I said, the title alone is just fucking brilliant. <laughs> and and the, <laughs> the idea of it. And I think it's, like, the overall, the overarching kind of um, idea i get from this is that it's to poke fun at the times that we live in now like i mean obviously it feels like the end of the fucking world when you watch the news and you know when you see what's happening in the world and and all the evils and all the wrongs and all the bad things that go on like in front of us every day like everything you see is doom and gloom like uh the world's falling apart um something like climate change uh the fact that no one's doing anything about climate change because they're rich old white people with grey hair that love oil that makes them money um and like all this kind of like horrible stuff and the fact that you know like we are actually marching closer to the end of the world every day and that's the impression you get from the news when you watch it and read it and I'm sure you feel the same right Ray? Often yes. Yeah exactly (laughs) so it's not just me (laughs) but yeah um this this book it's like basically saying yeah it feels like the end of the fucking world but there's still something worth fighting for still still something worth living for and you know even even in in these really really bleak times you can find cheer and you you can find spirit and you you can find love and you can find christmas you can find all those things that make christmas great and christmas will still be there even after everything else is gone everything's crumbled blasted away bombed nuked irradiated dead there's still hope and i think that's that's what this book is it's like even in the times we're in now there is still hope and there's still christmas cheer and i love it for that like the the fact that it's basically saying that even after the world's ended there will still be these these things these feelings you know we will still have this 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 time of year when everyone you know when there is peace and when everyone thinks of giving and things like that and it it reminds me of that old um that that uh tale from world war one of the uh when the the british and the german soldiers got out of the trenches and shook hands exchanged gifts and played football on christmas day you ever heard that one i have yeah i was talking yeah. about it at school yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it gives me that it's that kind of feeling you know like that that's the kind of the, the the christmas truce yes i think yes. it's called yeah. yes and it's that kind of um that kind of hope in these 80 pages. And I will probably talk, I will talk more about this and I will dig deeper and I will, you know, I'll do my usual analysis. Like 
when we get on to talking about Christmas comics, which will hopefully be next episode, it, um, I'll probably talk about a couple. But I, I really liked it, and it, it helped helped me get into the Christmas cheer a bit. Um, you know, like I've been putting up, we've put well, um, my girlfriend has put up some Christmas decorations this week. Uh, we've got lights up and things, and we got a tree yesterday, a, a fake one. Um, but it's you know, it's nice to have that stuff around, and it, it just makes you feel a bit better. And it's good for that. So, yeah, I enjoyed that, the Nuclear Winter Special. And I'll go into that deeper and give you a full list of credits next time because it's, it's just a pretty expansive list, as you, as, as these, these uh, anthology-type titles usually are. But, yeah, it was really cool. Um, Ray, do uh, you want to go next for something you've been reading? Um, okay, so I might as well talk about Ice Cream Man because I finally caught up after, you know months of you going on at me to get past issue number four so i'd read basically volume one which comprised of one to four i read the month by month as those issues came out and then i just fell off the bandwagon so i finally got around to reading all of them and what the fuck is going on greg like it's it's such a good such a good story that layers on way more than i was expecting from just what the first volume delivered like i like that it's it's more than just an anthology it's like it's building up some mystery behind this town that we're seeing these, you know, these mysterious and violent acts happening in. And like, we're finding out more about the, like the players in the background and we're finding more about this, a slightly more mystical or larger um, battle at play. And it's Mm. so interesting. And then on top of like, or underneath all of that is these individual stories about, uh, you know, misery and loss that um w maxwell prince is writing and i don't know i'm just i i my excitement for this this book just hasn't dropped at any point normally i find myself like i don't know i get a few issues in and i'm like well i've had my fill of it but this is just i i really want to see what else he drops in um so i'm thinking i went back and listened to some of the other episodes where you talked about your you know the ones at the time that you've been reading and trying to urge us into doing it the one about the the young girl who um imagines her friend who has passed away but you know to be by her side and there's god there's some good writing in that episode in that issue i just i love it (laughs) um it's i don't think we're gonna i'm gonna be able to say anything that you haven't already said i don't think i'm gonna be able to express any more excitement than the three of us have already expressed about this book but if you haven't yet caught up to reading ice cream man if you like i don't know this pastely multicolored um deceptively i don't know deceptively beautiful deceptively clean version of misery <laughs> and horror i think you owe it to yourself to check out ice cream man and it's good timing because i think um volume number two which collects issues five to eight um will be out on the 12th of december so just in time for christmas so it's also um I think they're on break now until after mm. Christmas. I don't think there's going to be another one until, is it January? I believe so, yeah. They're on hiatus for a while. Yeah, it's in the back of the ambulance one. Yes. Yeah, Emergencies. Yes, issue yeah. eight. Uh, but I think they're, they're going to be on break now until next year. Mm. Um, so it's a good time to catch up, and it's, it's a good thing to catch up on, actually, because it's really good. Really yeah, good. I think this is the feeling I'm getting that you kind like that you alluded to about Hill House, where 
you wanted to know more about the house. Like, I really want to know more about this town now. Now that I realize that there's more happening yeah. than just a collection of stories with yeah. the linchpin of this ice cream man. I, I really want to see yeah. where they, they go with this well, mystery. The way I'm seeing it is the town is like the chessboard. Mm. Okay. And like, um, this is what I was, because we, we kind of had a little conversation about this last night on WhatsApp and I was kind of describing yeah. to you like what I thought. So I'll just read out what I wrote. Sure. Um, the ice cream man is spreading misery and pain and he's a metaphor metaphor for kind of like toxic thoughts. He is mental illness in different forms. And I, I don't think he's causing the tragic and horrific events himself. Like he's not, he's making them happen in so much as he's providing a nudge or a push to someone who already has something dark inside them and he's just bringing it to the surface and forcing it out he seems kind of locked in some eternal struggle with someone who kind of represents the good which i think represents the good in people and would i i believe might have the ability to to bring the good out in people but we don't ever see that because the focus of the story is our the ice cream man Hmm. Um, but i think we might be able to get a similar book with this guy making people do good things and, and making good things happen i don't know i don't but know his... i see it as like yeah. the ice cream man's definitely an active antagonist and what i like is that it's weaving in slightly more than i expected from this book so stuff like yeah there seems to be this running theme of the music and how that's represented and like yeah. how the you know there's there's such a thing as bad music which he is putting out into this world yeah and letting it corrupt people and then leading it to him and Kind of like, a, I think, the Pied Piper thing, which was something we brought up and is quite yeah. clear from, like, what the first couple of episodes, first couple of issues. But, like, I don't know. It's more than just a one-note thing. It's, like, a thing that's being written and woven yeah. in again and again and again and expanded on. And, yeah, I, I love that it's... I think the term is, like, it's growing its beard, kind of. Like, it's getting deeper than I anticipated. And I'm, I'm, I'm in love with that. Exactly. I mean, like, the... the, the I mean, he, I, what I was trying to say about that is he is an active antagonist. But I think all he's doing is waking things up that were already there. Mm. Like, from that's the impression I get. Like, he's he's just bringing that out in people. Like, providing the nudge, providing the music. Mm. Yeah. That, that makes you dance in a certain way, kind of thing. Mm. But yeah. It's I, interesting. It's a, it's a really good, um, I don't know. It's a really good representation of this kind of... Not story that's been told before, but like, you know, the whole thing of an evil entity and, an, and a good entity and that eternal struggle. Mm. I just love the fact that it's the representation is of this ice cream man, like ice cream man van guy. It's yeah, it's an interesting look. And I like the fact that it's so, I don't know, confetti rainbow colored throughout the entire thing. I love it. I love it to bits because, mm. I mean, the artwork just makes it. Although, I mean, like, I mean, I've described the artwork in various places at various times. Um, mm. in in the way that it, it makes you feel uneasy and it adds this kind of like queasy feeling to everything because it's hyper detailed and whatever else. But at the same time, it's it's unassuming, mm. you know. And then all of a sudden, it just goes from naught to to a hundred, punches yeah. you in the face. Yeah, definitely. And it's like hyper detail, and then shocks you with these like sudden moments of violence and and like grimness. But mm. then also like the coloring is so unassuming, mm. like. There's something like sinister and saccharine, but also like if it was if the content wasn't horror, it could easily be uh, something quite cutesy, yeah. you know. And I think yeah. they all of those elements come together 
really well without overpowering each other and like that's that unease i think that they they mm. nail so well and there we go hmm. all all at once just like that you are back on the bus <laughs> exactly yeah just yeah. chasing after that next scoop yes so to build on that i guess i'll move on to my next book um do you want to give a list of credits for ice cream man first though i mean we've done it millions of times on the cast but you should yeah i can do i mentioned uh writing by w max or prince but also the art is by martin morazzo colors by chris o'halloran and lettering by good old neon and it's an image published comic yes uh next one is an image published comic um one of the new number ones that I checked out this week. And this is called Middle West. Now, the way that I will describe this is going to paraphrase um, the writer of the book, Scotty Young. And it's the ordinary, the mundane, but with magic just beneath. Um, just lurking underneath. Uh, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to read out the synopsis. So, I mean, I think we've read this out on the, the previous episode during the pull list section, but the lands between the coast of coasts are vast, slow to change and full of hidden magics. Mistakes have been made and in this new ongoing series, an unwitting adventurer searches for answers to quell a coming storm that knows his name. From author Scotty Young, of I Hate Fairyland and Deadpool, and artist uh, Jorge Corona with uh, from Number One with a Bullet, uh, Feathers and Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack, comes the tale of Abel, a young boy who must navigate an old land in order to reconcile his family's history. And, um, yeah, it's this... this kind of, like, kid on an adventure tale. Um, I mean, again, I'm I'm, like, pretty much just echoing what Scotty Young has already called it in his little uh, his little piece of writing at the end of the comic but it's really really good <laughs> it's uh, it's a beautiful first issue um the art is gorgeous and the colors are vibrant it's bold it's abstract uh the cartoonish illustrations are perfect for this kind of story and i just love the way the bold lines and, and the exaggerated expressions and shapes just get get messages and feelings across with the characters and the way the way that this whole thing is put together where i mean everything looks completely normal it just feels like a normal place but at the same time it's like just left of normal like you can tell there's a little bit of magic there there's a little bit of something going on because it's not completely as our world is and the art style helps with that helps to push that um also, like the amount of personality in the character designs here is something truly beautiful. Like you can, you can imagine these kids and characters in real life after seeing the, their cartoon versions on the page. It's it's like you can you can bring them to life like that. It's great, and just from that comes some fantastic moments that give you a real true sense of what this book is actually about. And and the way that you you feel for this kid the main character Abel and you know like his relationship with his dad and the lasting effect that there, his relationship with his dad that his dad will have on him and the way that's represented and the way that's put forward in the writing and everything else and in the artwork as well like like the the I'll say physical representation of that 
like the mark his father's toxic anger and abusive behavior will leave on him and that that i guess is kind of like the the axis of the whole book is his relationship with his father and the way that makes him feel and the way his dad treats him and the reason his dad is so angry and the reason his dad's anger is being taken out taken out on the child and like how this will affect abel i guess going forward and when you know throughout his adventures through the rest of this comic and it's yeah it's the world design and the character designs are just perfect for this type of story it's like a, a fantasy adventure tale um and it, it does that really well and it, it really it the thing it communicates really well for me is the, the the way the magic is represented as in you know like it's it's like people aren't people are, are aren't aware of it but at the same time they are so when things happen it doesn't surprise them if that makes sense mm. like it's not a it's like you're not a, you wouldn't think that magic would have such an everyday place in this world but when you're reading the comic it's like things just seem natural that shouldn't like the fact that there's a talking fox and no one bats an eye at this talking well so far i think the fox has only spoken to abel but no one really bats an eye at this talking fox like i'm sure people must be able to hear this fox but no one really other than abel but no one really cares it's just a talking fox you know it's just something that happens in this world and it's it's like it's not overly magical it's not overly bombastic or overly fantasy but it's you know it's just a talking fox a fox that can talk and it's something that's just considered normal um and like this is like represented really well in the the, the animatedness of the world around and the colors and everything else that they use here in this book and the way that they design this world to i mean there's like these these tanks of pink liquid on everything that seemed to be some type of fuel i don't know what this pink liquid is but it's on like the side of everyone's house like this 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 like water cooler of pink liquid and i, I don't know like that that's interesting to me because i know that that's that's a design feature that's been put in when they've designed this world i want to know what that pink liquid is and i want to know why it's like that and and things like you know this this kind of like that's their fuel kind of thing that's how they do it like there's, but there also seems to be electricity still and things like that and it's just it's just, i want to know more about this world and like the color and the, the focus on the environment in some of the panels and the the animatedness of the world around that is shown in the panels and especially wind wind is a central feature of the book given that one of the main well the main antagonist of the book is the, is a storm um and the way they display that in the panels in the animatedness of like blades of grass and things like that it, it just everything just feels alive and like you're looking at a living world through the panels um like like the the panels are just windows into that world it's not it's not like you're you are actually seeing something that's alive and moving and it it's the way i can the way to describe this is, I mean, I know in other comics and things like that, like you, you get a sense of the environment and everything else from establishing panels and things. When you, when you look at artwork, you can sort of like feel, hear and smell things, right? If you, you know, when you, you're reading a comic that 
you you get that impression that this is happening that that's happening and and this is what it would you can hear cars rushing past and things like that when you see it happen in a panel because like comic art comics have the power to do that but with this like i'm first actually because it's actively displayed that there is wind and air and movement in the atmosphere in the way that these are drawn like with like i was saying with like anim- the way blades of grass are animated and the way you can see things blowing and things like that and the way wind is given sort of like special providence and center place for the first time you're actually actively aware of the work that goes into creating something like that and you're actively aware that these characters are not surviving in a vacuum which I mean, up until now has been an assumption and a blank space filled based on life experience and common sense when you're reading comics. But with the way they do it in this, you're actively aware that they're actively pushing that idea. And it's something new and interesting for me, and I really liked it. Um, And the way that the character design for the storm itself and the way the storm is drawn and everything. This is what I was when I was talking about fever dreams previously. um, And I was talking about being chased by a tornado of fire Hmm. um like the way the storm is represented in this just like brought that back for me and i was like ah yes that's my nightmare (laughs) (laughs) but you know like i i i truly did enjoy this book and i thought i I think it's a great comic and it's a great story it's one that you'd especially enjoy ray okay um i'm not i mean i've tried not to spoil it too much in my (laughs) talking about it i mean I didn't want to do, dive too deep into the synopsis of issue one, but it's it's a great opener for a truly fantastic story, and I am eagerly sitting at the campfire waiting for the rest. And that is Middle West and your creative team on Middle West. We have Scotty Young uh, for the story. The art is by Jorge Corona, uh, who we know from Number One with a Bullet, which we've also enjoyed on the cast. Uh, Colours by Jean-Francois Bolio, uh, lettering by Nate Piercos of Blambot, and editor is Ken um, Wagenschultz, uh, and it's production by Kerry Hall. Uh, we've also got some uh, ver- like um, some variant covers. We got cover A by Mark Huddleston, which is a really pretty um, angular painted cover with uh, the fox uh, able and this menacing looking storm in the background reaching out for him we also get to see abel's house uh with this weird tank of pink liquid on the side of it which i want to know what that's about i mean even the train going past in the background on the cover has got tanks of pink liquid attached i wonder what this pink liquid is someone tell me what this pink liquid is it's probably magic but someone tell me what this pink liquid is please um greg (laughs) i know i know it's exciting though um and yeah it's just it's just great it's a great world they've constructed here and it's it's a great story that's coming together this this sort of like adventure story with this kid abel i love it i love the talking fox especially sassy talking fox um yeah middle west so yeah we we the um the other two variant covers that I got lost in the first cover, the other two variant covers, we've got a cover by Jorge Corona and a cover by Scotty Young as well, which I haven't seen those yet, but the uh, cover A, which is the one I, I've I've got, it's really cool. Uh, Ray, next one on your list. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about These Savage Shores. I read issues number one and two. 
and this is by writer Ramvi, who uh, I talked about in the last episode to do with Graffiti's Wall. Um, illustrator Sumit Kumar. Uh, colors by Vittorio Estone. Uh, letters by Aditya Bidika, who also uh, did the lettering for Graffiti's Wall, um, and published by by Vault Comics. And um, I. I'm really glad that I read both issues one and two because I think they go together really well to give you a good introduction into what this this world and what this story is. But I also I don't think I want to say too much. I want to I think I want to read like the first arc or the first volume before I dive into too much about my thoughts. But like, let me just say overall, I really I really like what this is about. If not necessarily. <sighs> I really like the setting and I really like the characters and I really like the story it's, it's telling, but not necessarily the narrative it's telling, if that makes sense. So let me go back and I'll I'll read out the synopsis from the website. So, These Savage Shores. Two centuries after the first European ship sailed to the Malabar coast and made landfall at Calicut, the East India Company seeks to secure its future along the lucrative Silk Route in the year 1766. An old evil now sails aboard a company ship, hoping to make a home in this newfound land. But he will soon find uh, that the ground along the Indus is an ancient one with demons and legends far older than him himself. Um, along these savage shores, where the days are scorched and the nights are full of teeth. So what I meant by not loving the setting is the fact that it's set in India and the fact that it's talking about things like the Silk Route um, set in a time where, you know, colonization was, you know, a fabric of the narrative of that land. Um, the fact that it's, you know, Indian culture and it's talking about stories and sights and sounds that, I don't know, have have a deep part of my upbringing and, you know, a deep part of my history. But the fact that it's quite political, which generally I'm... I'm political in the sense that it's talking about warring nations and you know, different conflicts, which is not a criticism against the book itself. It's more a personal thing that I tend not to have a head for those kind of things. Um, and the fact that it's it's like a vampire story, which, um, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't have an inherent love for that kind of story. I think I like generally more down to earth, more naturalistic, more humanistic stories, but, um, I think what Ramvi is doing with all of these elements is, I don't know, um, it's bold. You know, I think to to find a, a way to write all these stories together is I'm quite inspired by it. Um, and this is the reason I want to read it as a trade, because I think I'd ha I'd be able to get more of a sense of an understanding of the conflicts and political machinations, which I generally find hard to follow. Um, and I like that under the surface of this story about warring nations and um like warring individuals so there's you know there's there's this this idea of a demon coming to a land where there's there's darker demons and deeper nature than his own evils if that makes sense and being chased by somebody who is there to purify that kind of evil entity i yeah, like under the surface of all of these things are the the themes of the effects of colonization on on a land and what it means for like you know colonists to have their own ideas of what they want from their machinations and it being independent of 
the people who live there already and the the things that they're coping with and the things that they're fighting against and it's, it's there's a lot of layering and i think i need to read it through a couple of times to really get my sense of it um what i will say is the artwork um by sumit kumar and vittoria stone is absolutely gorgeous like i just love this i don't know it feels old there's something about it that just feels like so deeply rooted in the time period and i don't know the contrast between the different types of peoples that are involved in this story i love that the it represents people as they are and not just what they represent so you see it feels it feels like representative of india and not as cliched india or not like well here now we have to portray a particular thing that you you've come to expect from these type of people you know i feel like it's all very natural and grounded and comes from a deep sense of like knowing the history and knowing what it uh, it feels and sounds and smells and you know how how all that is um which i don't know it really clicks something deep inside of me that i really like and like all the the costuming and all the you know the hair and the faces and the skin tones and it all just feels really nice and diverse um and i really admire that um and just then the 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 color is the colors are amazing like these a wash with strange nightscapes like everything's suffused in this dark purple and blue which i don't know brings a whole brings a very different vibe to the evenings than the nighttime scenes as it does to like the oppressive heat of the daytime scenes um yeah i i just I, I really like it. I want to. I think I'll talk more about it once I've had a chance to read. I'm assuming what will be the end of the first arc, which will be like issue five, I guess. But I'll I'll definitely revisit this, and I think I'll have more thoughts on it at that point. So that's uh, these savage shores. Yeah, um, you got a list of credit for us there. I did. I gave it at the top, but I can oh. repeat it. So that's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, no, it's cool. I, I'm, there's. Any excuse to to to, yeah. to plug these these people more than once. Uh, writing by Ramvi, illustrator Sumit Kumar, colors by Vittorio Estone, letters by Aditya Bidikar, and it's published by Vault Comics. I blanked at the start when you gave the names before. <laughs> that's fine, <laughs> but yeah, um, that sounds really cool, um, and that's like the second Ramvi book that you've talked about. It in is in a row, and two like... subsequent episodes, yeah. Basically, because like I picked up Graffiti's War just because I'd I'd been following it. I noticed um, I noticed it at Thought Bubble, um, and I believe he, I'm sure he must have been talking about these savage shores there as well. But that wasn't the one that caught my eye. And then recently, I've had some communication with uh, Vault Comics just because I I donated some money and they they gave me some comics in return. And um, because they had a few delays, they threw in a couple extra comics that I wasn't expecting. And one of them was these savage shores. And I'll, I'll be honest. Like I may not have picked it up on my own, so I'm really glad that they sent me this because I don't know. I think it's I'm generally drawn towards things that look quite cute, look quite. Uh, I don't want to use the word simple, but like have less dense narrative to them because I think I come to comics to get away from uh, prose generally, and I think in this comic, Ram V is doing a very like prosy sort of writing there's a lot of writing in it there's you know there's a lot of literally letters writing that forms the uh like the narration happening over the comic and i'm again it's not a criticism of the comic it's more a thing that 
appeals to me less. Um, but I'm really glad that it was put in front of me and I had an excuse to read it. Um, mm. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I just, even if I ignored all the the words and if I ignored all the plotting, I just, I love the artwork and I love the story that's being told frame to frame to frame. Like there's, there are some sequences which are done in, in like quote unquote in silence without any wording over them. Yeah. And I just, I love, I just, I, I, there's some really smart, especially like in the first issue, there's a really cool sequence right off the bat where, um, this vampire is being chased by a vampire hunter and you see the, the nine panel structure as it goes from top left to the right and then as it hits like panel six um, your eye instinctively is drawn downwards and then you start following it backwards so like the the character dives out of a window on the right hand panel into oh, the left panel yeah. falls into the, the bottom left corner and then runs back off to the right and there's just some this kind of really like s- snaking panel layout yeah definitely yeah, but it's not yeah. it's not done like the, the the framing and the guttering still remains quite rigid, but it, it uses elements within each panel to draw your eye from one to the other. And then in this particular sequence, it's like an outside scene split up into six boxes because of the yeah. guttering. And so if the gutters weren't there, it would be, you know, a big rectangle image. But yeah. the way that it's cut up gives you that sense of flow. Mm. And yeah, there's some really intelligent use of... I don't know, motion and uh, and framing and pacing and yeah, it's, it's quality. I just, you just I instinctively. Really recommend it. Sorry, I was going to say you just instinctively follow it that way because it's the way that the panels are drawn and and I love it when they when when comics do that when they do mm. something interesting like that with panel layouts and like with page design and it's just it's just a treat like. I mean, yeah, it's art. Like, yes, yeah. that's the thing where sometimes you don't even realize that your eyes are moving, but that's that's yeah. the the techniques that the artist is putting into it. Like the storyteller is saying the story needs to go this way, and then the artist shows it, portrays it in that way. It's, yeah, it's it's good merging. And like, um, there's another comic we've read fairly recently that it reminds me of that, and I want to use that as the pin to get you to read these books. Mm. Um, what was the other one that was set on? Set on a boat, and it had some. It had like a mutiny, and Shanghai Red. Shanghai Red. Yes, it, it, there's there's parts of it that feel like like Shanghai Red because some of it is set on a boat anyway because it's about this this vampire stowing away or well, not stowing away like on this boat traveling to this new land. Um, but I think if you like Shanghai Red, you would dig the same sort of vibe and same sort of art style in these savage shores. I, I do. I do want to give it a go after you've talked about it because yeah. I have a soft spot for creatures of the night i think more i think out of the three of us i think on the face of it this would appeal to you the most i think mm. of all the things i've mentioned lately i really want you to read these savage shores i will give it a go 100 percent. it does sound like my thing it really is <laughs> but yeah it's um it, it just sounds really cool and like you've got me on page layouts now and like <laughs> i'm just thinking of like some of the really cool page layouts i've seen like this year and like some of the the great examples I've seen. And it's like people really upping their game mm. and really, really like going with this, this like, you know, intuitive layouts that, that it's instinctively draw your eye in, in ways that you wouldn't normally have thought about reading a comic and in ways that you wouldn't normally see a page laid out in a comic and it's just it's really cool when you open a book and you get something new and different like that and it's it's kind of like a little 
a little thing that you want to save and hold on to because you, you I, I love that kind of stuff i love it when when i i mean one of the best examples for me was um in um multiversity hmm. the pax americana part which is kind of like the watchman riff which i've talked about i think i've talked about it before on here but that especially like some of the the page layouts and some of the panel layouts and the the the, the way they work the panels in that book is just mind-blowing hmm. and yeah I, I love it when i see stuff like that when i see examples of like interesting cool pan, pan, uh, panel layouts and page layouts and things like the thought that must have gone into that design and, and for it to the fact that it just works so well and and that your eye is instinctively drawn that way and and that they they've tapped into that somehow and managed to get that to you on a page like that that's craft right there yeah i think it's the same part of just art in general that i admire about like i think i've talked about this about certain video games where i I'm not a sandbox gamer. I don't really like being made to make my own fun. I The reason I play a game, the reason I watch a film, the reason I read comics is to be entertained for like the artist and the creator to give me the thing. Don't make me do the heavy lifting. Don't make me do the hard work. I don't necessarily agree with this in comics entirely because like the, the metaphor with gaming is like I can't really play sandbox games where I'm supposed to make my own fun. I want you to create a scenario that I have to play through and then... I want to go through that design. I want to play through your design. I want to play through your world. I want to play through your mechanics and see what you are trying to communicate through all of that. Mm. I really like being led on this journey. Um, the thing about like panel layouts and you know the, the thought that goes into understanding the psychology of reading um, and like being able to anticipate where somebody's eye is, being able to draw their eye to a particular thing, being able to draw what they understand as a satisfying sequence to follow because i think that's the thing that i love about those kind of games where you follow a sequence and you play through a sequence it's that satisfying beats i think that's the thing that connects with comics in this way like yeah. i like seeing the energy and effort and creativity and like just you know just effort that's gone into constructing exactly. it and trying to trying to appeal to somebody else like you're trying to make somebody else feel the thing that you as a creator are have in your head um and that's not to say that there's not a place for things where you do have to do some of the heavy heavy lifting on your own where you have to construct a scene where you know the creator might deliberately leave you a little bit confused or unsatisfied so that you have to take some of the mental energy on yourself and piece it together like so i think um recently mr miracle does that occasionally where you're left feeling even though it's quite a rigid framing structure even though the gutters are quite straight mm. and like follow the nine panel structure there are times when you're you're left feeling um just out of place and but that even that's done with consideration because you know you um like they're trying to make you feel uncomfortable they're trying to make you feel lost and so that you have to put in the extra mental energy to work it out and yeah i don't know i just i just like seeing creators put energy into their work to lead me down and down a place yeah I just don't like thinking for myself. Is what I, <laughs> I want to be. I want to be, be. Have it all fed to me. It's cool. I like it. Um. So yeah, uh, I should move on to my final one. I think. Hmm. So my last one is another new number one called American Carnage, which is on Vertigo Comics. 
list of credits for this one at the top. Um, we have Brian Hill, the story. Uh, Leandro Fernandez, artist. Dean White, colorist. Pat Brosseau, lettering. Ben Oliver for the cover. Um, we've got a variant cover by Rafael Albuquerque and Rico Renzi. And um, Maggie Howell is assistant editor. And Andy Core is the editor. And this is published DC Vertigo. And it's the way to describe this. Um, it's a story of an undercover ex-FBI agent turned PI hired to investigate a prominent philanthropist with ties to white supremacist extremism. Now, in that way, um, it kind of has uh, echoes of films like Black Klansman. And uh, another comic that's been discussed on this cast, Incognito. Uh, because this is an ex-FBI agent um, who is black but is able to pass for white. And therefore able to kind of infiltrate what's going on with this prominent philanthropist. And that was kind of why his um, his sort of like ex-co-worker sort of like chose him for that role. Um, so... It's, I mean, like where Black Klansman and Incognito are kind of based on or have like more, I think, I think, I mean, all of these are obviously influenced by real life events. Um, but this story, it feels all too real because it is set in today's time and it's set in the time and place we're in now. It's set, in, set today. And I think that's what, that's what it taps into really well. Um, it's an excellent crime and political intrigue thriller that taps into the very real threat of something terrible that has once again bubbled up to the surface and its connection to the current political climate. I mean, it's not just in the US that we've been seeing um, a rise and in, you know, extremist groups rising to the surface again, getting bolshy and, you know, having renewed confidence because of the, the, the current political climate and because of the way things have swung with you know like nationalism on the rise again things like brexit and um well the fact president trump got elected like the big pink elephant in the room um and it's just given like kind of renewed confidence to these kind of like these fascist groups these these racist groups and and you know these kind of like extreme right-wing like collections of horrible people um and that's that's just that's kind of like you know what what we're living in and and this this kind of this kind of kind of draws on that and it is a story that kind of fits within that and that's that's what it does well and that's how it draws you in tight and how it it gives you this kind of how how it seeds you with the 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 fear and the um the tension that is seeded throughout the comic it it kind of hinges on the fact that this is something that's happening here and now for me um so yeah it's 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 a great thriller and the writing is excellent and the tension on each page is incredible it is communicated perfectly not only through words but also through the body language for the characters in each panel and the facial expressions and these characters are alive and they wear their feelings on the surface this is this is um leandro fernandez so this is the guy that did the old guard with greg rooker oh yeah yeah, yeah, and and he did an excellent job on that, and he's doing it again. 
um another like this is another excellent comic that we're seeing here and and his artwork is really bringing it to life and it's this his use of perspective in this book and in some of the panels the the application of a like a slight universal warp so with perspective from in perspective terms this 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 warp i'm talking about is almost like seeing things from a lowered fisheye but like not just a shallow fisheye not like a, a full like bulbous fisheye lens kind of effect but just kind of like a shallow fisheye around things just to slightly warp it just to slightly give it this kind of like dark twist and this kind of like to kind of close you in and kind of give it this kind of claustrophobia a little bit in places where you would need to where the tension is increased in specific parts of the book um and the way that he he the way that this warp is applied to his characters like the slight lean towards cartoon features but it's still rooted in stark reality it's not over exaggerated so that slight cartoon warp gives everything a kind of like nightmare edge i guess um which works well for this like the way that he's he's, he's displaying that in this book is just like for the for the story that's being told and the tension and everything else that just works really well um and it, it kind of it really draws you in tight and closes the focus onto the distilled tense atmosphere that is being constructed by the words and by the story that is is coming up in this and it's just yeah it, that that is just what sells this book and what makes it work so well um I love this this kind of story as well. This this like the, the, what Vertigo are doing at the moment, which is this this Vertigo Renaissance that's happening, where they're, they're, these titles that have been published on the label, things like Border Town and stuff like that. It's kind of like bringing these issues into the forefront in a way that is digestible and a way that you know, kind of the kind of like this is what's happening you know like this is this is kind of the kind of stuff that we're, we're dealing with right here in in reality right now and I, I quite like that that it's bringing it to a way that's bringing it up in a way that's digestible by people that maybe wouldn't normally um i don't know not only seek it out yeah out yeah stories yeah yeah it's like it's like bringing it up in a way that's digestible and bringing it up in a way that's that's universal that people can that can people can look at and people can can take away from and like as on on that note i, I kind of want to rescind some of my negative comments i made about border town before when we've talked about border mm. town because as blunt mm. and as uncomfortable and as angry as it is i think upon reading the subsequent three issues from the first one that we discussed mm. that kind of is its charm and that's what it does well because it appeals to the youth of today in that blunt, angry, and uncomfortable way. So to, it's. I was going to say to both of our credits, um, when we did talk about Border Town, I think that is what we expressed. Like I think I said it wasn't. Yeah. It, it was presenting a story that, like, I I have no problem with being told. Um, and it sounds like this comic is similar in that way. Like it's more power to you for having 
Like, because all stories, you know, so many stories have been allegorical, despite what people may want to try and say, you know, stories yeah. should be political, comics should be political, whatever. Um, I think it was more that the tone wasn't for me. And I think you said the same thing. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah, just the tone, the tone didn't gel with you, but that doesn't mean that you don't think the story should be told. It's just yeah. wasn't, it wasn't for us, really. But then, but then three in, the tone is gelling with me. That's cool. I'm glad that you yeah. stuck with it. It's kind of it's I it's it's like it it's it's shown it it's like what well, you know I'm I'm blunt and I'm uncomfortable and I'm angry and this is what I am and this is this is what it is to be in the world blunt uncomfortable mm. and angry is what we have to be in order to fight this and mm. in a way it's kind of right hmm. <laughs> you know it's it, this this is this is kind of how how it is and this American Carnage is is. It could be it. It's really, really good at, at showing this in a more, I guess. Um, I guess it deals with the same things that I mean. Border Town deals with things at a level that you know, as we've discussed, that that would um, it would appeal to, to to like teenagers, young people that are you know, full of 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 anger and and and, and, and energy. Mm. you know and and this this appeals to, this is a, this is a little bit more grown up um but it's still it's still really good and it's still really good at telling at at at, at showing the current climate we're living in and and being a story set within that and and telling this tale and and highlighting the issue of race um i i quite enjoyed it i thought it was good and uh yeah i mean it's something that i'm going to stick with and i'm going to read the rest of um because i think it's a really it's a really good thriller really good like crime political intrigue story that i'm quite into so i'm 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 quite getting on with it and and the the reveal at the end of the the first issue was really cool as well okay as in like that that's the hook that's going to get me to to want to know more as this guy gets deeper and deeper and deeper in with what he's in you know Mm. like kind of digs below the surface of this squeaky clean philanthropist who I mean, everyone knows there's something iffy about him. Like they know there's something off about him in this story, um, but the bureau won't pursue it. So the FBI agent has gone to the PI to kind of get something done about it. And it's this whole kind of like there's a bit of closing ranks there as well. I think with the way the FBI treat it and they're like, we don't want to investigate this any further kind of thing and all that stuff like the government, like this goes high up and this is going to go high up, I think, in this comic. So I really like that. Um, So yeah, that was American Carnage number one, which uh, you can pick up now. Um, And I think, I think you need to read this one as well, Ray. It does sound, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like my kind of thing. I think I'll give it a chance, yeah. Give them both a go, this and Middle West. I think you'd enjoy both. And I think Border Town as well. Now yeah. that you've told me that you've you've enjoyed the first three issues, I'll, I'll yeah. get back in that. Yeah, hmm. definitely. And and I think um, a lot of Vertigo titles that are coming out now, a lot of these new Vertigo titles that we're seeing, um, this this renaissance that Vertigo is going through, they're kind of an outlet for these kind of uh, for this kind of like anger at the world, and and they're kind of like a. Um, for for the way the world is and the way that's making people feel they are an outlet for that and they are a a, 
a way to to get these messages out and to get these messages across and that's what they're doing now mm. from the looks of things and i quite like that this this vertigo renaissance that we're having right now so yeah definitely but um ray i guess we're at the end of your list now yeah so the last comic that i read this month or sorry this week uh is called 24 panels it's something i spoke about on a previous pull list it's the anthology comic which was made to support the PTSD needs of the survivors of the Grenfell Fire, which happened in June 2017, um, killed 72 people in a 24-story tower block in West London. Um, God, yeah, this is, it's a really powerful book. It's uh, an anthology done by, I believe it's 12, 12 established creators of comic books, and then 12 contributions from other artists. Um, and I think there's a focus on them being from the UK, but it's it's not clear, you know, who's a who's. Also, the way that the, the book is arranged, um, the credits for each individual comic aren't necessarily attached to the story you're currently reading. Um, and like, I don't know, I don't know what to really say about it beyond it's it's very touching like it's it's deeply touching about how it's taking the story of this tragedy and every story that is written like obviously um a lot of them are quite uh, are very sad some of them are quite funny um all of them are deeply moving and it's how you can take a story that revolves around something so deeply tragic and every single one of these finds a way to hinge on the positive to hinge on the idea of community and unity helping your neighbor helping lift each other up through crises and i don't know every single one of these had some way of making just touching me making me feel like i wanted to be better to my neighbor or uh, allowing me to understand you know just a different perspective on how you can feel isolated or um, misrepresented by the people around you, like people wanting to think that you're something because of the place that you live in, people wanting to assume something about you because of the way that you look. And this, um, I don't know, this, I don't know, this, this traumatic idea of being just misrepresented. And so I wanted to basically pick out a couple of, it feels weird to say favorites because they're all they're all stellar, frankly. They're all very good at um, expressing empathy, you know, just like leaping off the page. But there's a few that I wanted to just highlight. So there was one called They Say, which is written by Alex DeCampi, pencils by Rose Stein uh, or Steen, uh, inks by Ted Brandt, and colors by Triona Trefarrell. And it's talking about. You know how we talked about panel construction and how, you know, it takes so much energy and effort and creativity to um, guide your eye across a page. I think the thing about so the thing about this comic is it's called 24 panels and I believe to represent the 24 stories of the Grenfell Tower block. But the the point um, is to constrain the stories to have a maximum of 24 panels. And I think when you when you're constrained in the work that you can put out, it really brings out some, you know, uh, some really interesting creative ideas so they say is a, one of these where it starts off as a portrait page um on this young girl and her cat uh, eagerly awaiting her mum to come back home from the shops and i believe 
like it's written as though this young girl who must only be like five or six in the story but is written from an adult's mindset um about how they she's saying that these people think that our home is a bad place they say that the streets are lined with burned out cars and that all the people here are criminals and drug addicts and then what it does is it turns the page over into landscape mode and you can see uh like the face of this um this community block where there's like four or five houses stacked on top of each other as flats and we see an expression of what she hears other people saying about all the people who live in this housing block with her and all the nasty things they say and all the poor assumptions they make about the people who live there because of the way they look and the, because of the way they dress or the way they perceive them as behaving. And then it goes on to show the inside of uh, the same block and the, the true lives that are happening inside these individual rooms. And it was just really touching. It was a really interesting, creative way to... I mean, not uh, somewhat bluntly make this idea of how your assumptions aren't the same as the reality. But it's, I don't know, there's just because of the way that comics, like you say, have this power to uh, to bring you into this environment. And it's just, I, re- I really, I really like that one. I thought it was very touching. Um, another one called Dream Job by Liz Lunny, which is basically a choose your own adventure book, uh, choose your own adventure strip, which is the exact opposite of the thing I was talking about earlier. So it's very gamified in that it's drawn like, like I said, a choose-your-own-adventure where you you start off on this um, this one panel and it's introducing you to this new job that you've um, joined into. And then you have to answer questions back and forth. And I think it's just a, it's just a I don't know, a happy happy story about being satisfied with with where you are currently. Um, and it. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil where it goes. Uh, there's one called "A Little Hope" by Dilridge Mann, which is a beautifully sketched black and white, um, a silent comic about a woman who is uh, lying on lying on the sand at the you know on a, on a shore on a beach. Um, I don't know how to describe this. Like. In pain, lost, isolated, on her own, struggling to get up and work her way through this thorny forest, like you know, picking herself off 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 the beach, walking through this this forest where everything is causing her pain, falling off a cliff and then landing on these stones, and again trying so hard to force herself up, use her own energy to to lift herself off the ground, and then she's really struggling, she can't quite make it, and then a bird comes, picks her up, you know, very gently from the back of her T-shirt, lifts her, lands her back on her feet. And then she has the energy to walk on forward. And, you know, it's called A Little Hope and how sometimes it, all it can take is somebody, you know, somebody giving you a little lift to get you through your day. And I thought that for something that was expressed without words, I thought that came beautifully off the page. Um, there's one called People Like Us. So one called People Like Us which is by the stories by uh, Joanne Stera, art by Lynn Yoshi and letters by Comicraft. Um, and again, constrained by the amount of panels that she had access to, to writing the story, but also a really interesting use of like two colors that are graded between each other. Um, and it's a story about a, a Jewish woman who is telling a story about when she was younger having to write a an online course on the Holocaust and she was um, 
partnered with uh, a woman or a, a young woman from Austria whose grandfather had been an SS officer. And like the, I don't know, the instinctual reactions and anger and, you know, somewhat levels of arrogance and I don't know if arrogance is, is is fair, but like the things that you feel based on the people that you're partnered with and, you know, having being forced to engage with somebody who you assume to be an enemy and the the things you project on them because of their history and having to come to terms and learn about each other and learn that, you know, this this woman from Austria who she had an in, an innate desire to fight against um, is in like in the comic in giant letters, you know, surrounded by lights, not an actual Nazi, and having to come to terms with her upbringing and the things that she had to deal with, knowing about her history and like doing this, um, doing this project together and learning more about each other. Uh, I don't know. That was I, I thought that was beautifully told and was taking something that can be quite deeply traumatic and drawing it in quite a sweet and cute way. I thought was really nice. Um, and it's this it's packed it's packed full of this there's so many every every single story has or every single i don't know one page story or two page story or whatever whether they use the full 24 panel limit or whether they use just four and um you know use the comic con- concept of guttering and using that to show isolation and uh you know fear and and hurt and anger and pain it's just there's so much there's so much in this that is just stuffed full of I don't know pathos and catharsis and I really I really think it's worth a read. It's for a good cause. I think the money goes to charity and to helping those who are affected by the Grenfell fire, and it's also a stunning collection of art at the same time. So I would recommend Twenty Four Panels. Yeah, it is one that I I I need to read it. Yeah, I've been wanting to. Mm. I've been wanting to read it since I first heard it being talked about, and I saw because um, Alan Moore worked on it as well, didn't he? I think, in particular, you would love the Alan, Alan Moore story because it's yeah. written like it's written like poetry. Um, the art style is something that doesn't necessarily gel with me. It's got this very like seventies political artwork to it. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I don't think I'm qualified to explain what type of art it is, but the the thing that his poem is expressing and the way it represents the villains in this kind of story where the reasons that these kind of tragedies occur could have been prevented by people in power and how it how it shows how the good that you do and the evil that you do will be inked on the world um and this sort of i don't know modern scientific way of explaining how or you know if it's basically called if einstein's right and how every moment is captured as its own single thing and how those things will remain forever mm. and it's very touching because it can be that the lives that you're touched by are captured forever the the love that you felt for each other is captured forever the harms that you do to your community and the harms that you do to the people that you're supposed to be representing and fighting for are captured forever and it's i don't know i Again, I loved it as much as I loved the others, but I think I picked those others because I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to pick out the ones that touched me more and the ones that had slightly maybe smaller names as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you would love the the Alan Moore, and I believe it's Melinda Jebby or Gebby, um, and letters by her son Otsmane Alhau, who we've talked about in the past. He does panel X panel, doesn't he? Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, great. That's <clears throat> that's another great strip. I I, yeah. I I love every single one of these. Yeah, something something that I I need to read is that book. Hmm. Um, we are now at the end of our list of recent reads, hmm. so we should move on to the pull list. So, um, I'll open up with what's coming on the 5th of December, which is the day that this podcast released. So things that caught my eye from the 5th of December. Um, I think we're, we're kind of similar, actually, looking at your list. <laughs> I think there's a lot here. The same that, ones again. Yeah, there's a lot that we've picked. Mm. That is, well, there's a couple that we've picked that are definitely similar. Mm. Um, so I'm going to start with... Um, like the the two that I kind of like eyed that aren't on your list is two DC books. Um, so we've got like um Shazam, mm. back in its own comic. I'm not I'm not. I don't mean. It's just it's just just caught my eye. I think with the the recent like um the you know the Shazam trailer and everything, the fact that we're getting a Shazam movie sometime soon. Um, I think that's what's brought this back into the public again. <laughs> mm. Um. But it's uh, written by Jeff Johns um, and Billy Batson and his surrogate family, Mary Bromfield, Freddie Freeman, Dar- uh, Darla Dudley, Eugene Choi and uh, Eugene Choi or Eugene Choi and uh, Pedro Pina unlock the mysteries of the rock of eternity and delve into the secret worlds of magic to discover their ultimate destiny is the uh, the synopsis. I mean, I've not, not, not read an awful lot of Shazam before. Um <clears throat> The, the brushes I've had with Shazam have been through a lens of other um, DC characters and through other DC comics. Um, but it's just something that caught my eye as another num- a new number one for an, for an old character. And uh, the next one's roughly the same because this one is Martian Manhunter. Uh, so it's a similar reason. Um, and this is uh, writer Steve Orlando. Uh, Riley Rossmo is the artist and Joshua Middleton has done a variant cover for it. Um, so the blurb for this one, no matter what you know about John John, John John, John's, John John's, I can never work out how to say Martian Manhunter's <laughs> name, man. That's, that's something that's going to be like a sticking point for me forever. Like no matter how many comics I read, no matter how often I hear it said in other, but I, I just, it will always stunt me. It'll always stunt me. John John's, you're not prepared for this. <laughs> You're damn right I'm not. I'm not prepared to say his name right. <laughs> the acclaimed team of writer Steve Orlando and artist Riley Rosmo of Batman The Shadow and Batman Night of the Monster Men re-team for a reinvention of the Manhunter from Mars in this twisted, unexpected series. Back on Mars, John was about as corrupt as a law officer can be. And when a reckoning comes for his entire society, he'll get a second chance he doesn't want to or deserve. One shocking murder and an unexpected fragment of the Mars he lost will change his life and the course of Earth forever. So, I'm guessing this is kind of like sci-fi noir detective. Hmm. From the sounds of it, it sounds quite interesting. Um, may have to give that a look because I did. I did enjoy Batman: The Shadow. I thought that was quite cool. Um, and uh, I'll let you take over because the next. Like, the next three are ones that are on your list, so you can talk about them. <laughs> okay, cool. So the first one was Die, number one. This is a new comic by Kieran Gillen, who I think we've established that we're fans of yeah. from, like, The Wicked and Divine and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so written by Kieran Gillen, Stephanie Hans is the artist, Clayton Cowles is letterer. Um, so it's in... The blurb is, in 1991, six teenagers sat down to play a role-playing game. They disappeared without explanation. There were no clues. They had vanished. 
They were found two years later in a forest over 50 miles away. When asked where they'd been, they could only respond, I can't say. No one ever found out where they had gone or who could have taken them. Everyone was just glad that they had escaped. The year is now 2018. The teenagers are now adults. They are about to discover no one escapes. And as ever, I was drawn in by the cover, which has like a, a white-haired woman in a black outfit sort of splayed out. Um, I don't know, like like she's been almost like she's been shot in the chest because there's like these 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 rivulets of like red streaks coming out from her, but it's overlaid by a sequence of triangles, which I think are a flattened out d20 dice or die, which makes sense because like it's playing on the word die as death and the the, the objects you use for playing role playing games. I just I really liked that. I thought that was quite cool. Um, so that's that's yeah. die number one coming out on the fifth and. Uh, I can vouch for the fact that when you sit down to play a role-playing game, you do lose time. (laughs) And um, it is hard to tell people what you've been doing for the past however long you've been doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It works (laughs) on so many levels. (laughs) And it is a flattened out D20 because when I I divide it into triangles, yes, it is. There's 20 of them, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think there are, Um, yeah. hmm. Okay, so the next one is Killmonger number one, uh, obviously a Marvel book. Uh, Brian Hill as the writer, Juan Ferreria. Oh, there's a reason you made me <laughs> say this one out loud. Juan Ferreria. I'll, I'll spell it out. F-E-R-R-E-Y-R-A uh, as the artist and cover artist. Uh, Larry Stroman um, and also Jason Pearson as artist on this. Um, I, I have no idea what the actual story is. All I know is that it's covering Eric Killmonger. So I'd be interested to see what they write about that. I'm assuming it's going to be a prequel in it some is. ways to the Black Panther movie. It is. Um, and then last one I had for the fifth was Self Slash Made, number one. Um, and that's by writer Matt Groom, uh, Eduardo Ferrigato as the artist, and Marcello Costa as colorist. Cool. Yeah, that Killmonger one, it is going to be like his childhood and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. So... Oh, also, I forgot a last one. Um, there's one that I had no idea they were making. This is Giant Days, where women glow and men plunder, number one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's by a uh, favourite of mine, John Allison. I love the uh, you know the, the regular run of the Giant Days comic, but this is a number one focusing on Ed Gemmell, who now has a girlfriend and is going to meet her family in Australia. I was going to say, like... as soon as you... I don't even need to know anything about Giant Days. As soon as you said the title... I knew that was going to be about Australia because <laughs> I know what that's yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, what's that song called? I, I... Um, I think I've, it's playing in my head, but I could not tell you what it's from. Like we can all hear it in our head, but I've, yeah. I, I've never known what it was called because I never act. I've never actually gone out of my way to listen to it. Just, it's one of those songs everybody knows but doesn't actually own. Mm. I think the Maybe. land down under <laughs> or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was my last one for the fifth. Yeah. So um, moving on to the um, following week, which is the 12th, um, we've got a couple that caught my eye in. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention for the fifth, actually, start of the uh, Marvel Defenders stuff. So that's coming back. Mm. Uh, So we've got Namor, the Hulk, um, the Silver Surfer. Uh, oh no, the Silver Surfer's on the 12th actually. That was that was where I was going to lead into because I was going to talk, talk about the Defenders for the 5th and I was going to move on to the 12th but I've just ruined it for myself. <laughs> so um, the 
the defenders are coming back, which is like an old Marvel team. Um, and uh, this is apparently after the or to investigate the death of um Stephen Strange according to the blurb for one of these books but this is going to be like a, a shared um kind of like story a, a, across these characters each one's going to have their own book and then obviously it's all going to come together at some point and we've got Namor Silver Surfer and the Hulk and I think Namor and the Hulk are both out on the 5th of December and the Silver Surfer one comes on the uh 12th um now other things actually um on the 12th that i was going to mention we've got outer darkness number two which we've talked about previously on this cast outer darkness is really good um we've got another we've got the hellboy winter special coming out on the 12th uh, which is i mean obviously we've read hellboy winter specials before they're really cool um really nice christmas tales and stuff like that so i'm looking forward to that that's going to be nice um Another one on the 12th is Snap Flash Hustle number one, which um, I don't know if it was this something that you would picked up on your list, Ray? No, no. Okay, so Snap Flash Hustle. um, This is one that just caught my eye. Um, Hayley Morey, a downtrodden alternative model, happens upon a secret society of elite models in NYC that are using their platforms to sell narcotics. Seeing a possible escape from a lifetime of crushing debt, Hayley becomes involved and works her way up the ranks, making new alliances and enemies alike while getting a taste of power she never knew she craved. In this new stylish crime thriller from writer Pat Shand of Breathless and artist Emily Pearson of The Wilds, nothing is as it seems. So that that caught my eye. It's, a, it's one on Black Mask. Mm. Um, so that's that's something to look out for. Um, also on the 12th, we've got Mega Ghost number one, which is on Albatross Funny Books. Um, and, uh, I'll just read the blurb for this. Can life get any weirder for junior occultist Martin Magus? Living in the haunted city of Dunwich Heights is strange enough for a kid investigating the unknown. But when he comes into possession of a bewitching ring, he discovers that he now has the power to summon Mega Ghost, a giant supernatural robot sworn to defend the world against the creepy things that go smash in the night. <laughs> so can can you can you guess why I picked that one up? <laughs> yes, I can guess why you picked that one up. And uh, the last one on uh, December 12th for me is the Archie Christmas Spectacular because I've been like going in for these like seasonal specials. Um, I I wanted to mention actually that also on the 5th, um, another one that I forgot to mention for the 5th that I'd picked up especially and forgot to talk about was the Merry X-Men Holiday Special, (laughs) (laughs) which is going to be 25 tales, one for each day in December about the X-Men. Uh, so it's 20... gonna be trash <laughs> it's gonna be great 25 holiday tales of merry mutants one for each day of december one through december 25th what does magneto do for hanukkah what's rogan gambit's first married christmas like is jubilee truly the master of navigating malls during the holidays these questions are more unanswered as all of your favorite x-men and more create and, and more creators and you can shake a jingle bell at come together for a holiday celebration to last all month long and According to this, it's 40 pages, which that's got to be a damn lie. Like, how do you squeeze 25 stories into 40 pages? I'm calling bullshit on that. But yeah, there we go. I mean, if they have managed to squeeze it into 40 pages, that's that's some kind of feat. But yeah, the Merry X-Men Holiday Special, which I'm probably going to buy. <laughs> so, Ray, uh, December 12th for you. <laughs> December 12th, I've only got a couple of things. Uh first um floppy i've got is goddess mode number one 
Um, that's a Vertigo comic, and it's by Zoe Quinn, uh, Robbie Rodriguez, and uh, Stepan Sejic, or Sejic, maybe, um, as writer, artist, and variant cover artist, respectively. Um, I like Zoe Quinn generally, uh, so that was the reason I caught this caught my eye. But the blurb is really interesting. So it says, uh, in a near future where humanity's needs are provided for by a godlike AI, it's one young woman's horrible job to do tech support on it. But Cassandra Price's life changes forever when she discovers a hidden digital world beneath our own. One where a group of superpowered women are locked in a secret war for the cheat codes to reality. So that's when I realized that goddess mode was a gaming um uh, illusion so like god mode and yeah it looks like really vibrant neon comic by zoe quinn so i'll check that out dc vertigo comic yeah and then following that is ice cream man volume number two since i talked about it earlier really good time to jump in on these stories if you haven't already um volume two comes out on december 12th and it'll cover issues number five to number eight of ice cream man you know what? i'm going to give you some homework ray <laughs> oh god okay you're, you're going to read that x-men holiday special <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll you'll nag me enough to make it happen. I'm going to give you some homework. You're going to read that, and uh, for next episode, we're going to read Nuclear Winter as well. I've I've actually I already have Nuclear Winter. I didn't want to talk about it because I haven't finished it, but I've read I've read the first few stories, and that's massive, man. That's like that's like a triple size floppy. It's eighty um, pages. Yeah, yeah, eighty. That's a lot. I was going to say I'm only going to read the. Uh, the X-Men one, if it is only 40 pages. I don't want to read any, a single page more than 40 pages of that. Come on, indulge me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine, Greg, since you're ill. Yeah. <laughs> make you feel better. We're going to talk about Christmas comics next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. Uh, that has been the pull list for the next two weeks. And... Um, I will now close us out. So um, that has been Ace Comicals episode number 50. You can find us at www.acecomicals.com. You can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals, where you can um, send us questions and uh, via DM or you can add us in a reply and we will be able to answer those for you on the show. Um, we can be found to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Castro. You can find us on Instagram under Ace Comicals. You can send questions to acecomicals at gmail.com. Um, if you so wish, you can donate the price of a coffee um, on our coffee page, which is coffee.com slash acecomicals. All contributions will be used to defray the cost of hosting the website. You'll be helping to keep the lights on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. Ray, where can we find you? On Twitter, at Monke, M-O-O-N-K-E-H. So uh, that's uh, Ace Comicals, over and out.